However, it should not leave us to where we just go, well, I ain't got to work. The Bible talks about this. Man who doesn't, Jesus said it, a man who doesn't provide for his own house, he's an infidel. He's worse. Right? He's, he's like an unbeliever. A, a man who doesn't take care of his own work, doesn't work, ought not, eat. Take care of your stuff. Mind your business. Take care of your stuff. These are things that we know, but we don't like to do them so much because it's a discipline from our minds to our hearts and especially in our homes because that means everyone in your home, you are accountable to them, accountable for them, and you need one another and you've got to take care of home first. Work is God's plan for the progress of society and the church. We fall into Satan's snare when we expect things to always come easily or regard God's blessing as an opportunity for laziness. Manual labor was despised by ancient Greek culture. They thought that the better a man was, the less he should work. In contrast, God gave us a carpenter king, fishermen apostles, and tent-making missionaries. Work until the day you die. Some of you go, if I keep working, I'm going to (laughs) die. We're meant in this life to work. But notice this, and there is a great balance. We've got to take care of our home and our heart first. That's the hardest work you'll ever do. The hardest work you'll ever do is making sure your heart is right with God and that your home is right with God. There is no more rewarding work. And I do not believe that there is a more glorifying to God work than that because if each family took care of their family and was right with God spiritually, we wouldn't need to have revival meetings. We wouldn't have to have business meetings. We wouldn't have to have fighting and arguing because it wouldn't be there because if we're taking care of ourself and our home, if you live by yourself, take care of yourself. If you live with your family, take care of your family. And if every person, if every individual Christian took care of themselves and mind their business and got right with God, what do you think it would look like as if an entire church and every individual and every individual home got right with God? What would we call that? Well, we would call that a revival, wouldn't we? I would call it much more than a revival. I would call it biblical living. It would be what we're meant to live like. Here in verse 12, he says, I've commanded you to do these things. Work. As we do so, what we find is that verse 11 shows us, and backwards, that it affects the local church, but verse 12 is going to show that our individual walk affects our community. Matter of fact, I would say this. We'll know when revival comes because we're going to make an impact on the community. Every revival or awakening that's ever happened has had an effect around. If a light is shining, stuff's going to come near it. If there's a fire, you don't have to advertise so much. It's just there, right? If you build a fire out and and you're camping out somewhere on the parkway, do you think you have to send out an invitation by a bird to go fly and tell the bears that you have a fire? No. No. Do you think you've got to tell that stinky hiker on the Appalachian Trail to come by and grab a can of beans? No. They're just going to find it. Where there's a fire, you don't have to advertise. It's going to be there. We want our churches to be a light that is a city on a hill that cannot be hid. We want our own life, our own home to be just that. Here's what he says in verse 12. That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. We must live honest, humble, and holy lives before God and man in the church, in our community, in our hearts, and in our homes. Starts in the heart, 
goes to the home, goes to the church, goes to the community. It must be upward, outward, and Godward, focusing upon the glory of God. That you may walk honestly toward them that are without. I want you to know that there is a community that is dependent upon your prayers. It is dependent upon your witnessing, your evangelism. This community is dependent upon your home and your heart being right with God. This community needs us. Can you understand, and must we understand this once more, and and I pray that it happens in our revival, that we would get a hold of the fact that God placed this church building right here for a very reason. Think about all the people that pass by here. We're to be a beacon. All the people that know Main Street, they know how to get here. matter of fact, half the town, just from talking to them, used to be a member here at some point in time. People know about where the church building is, but they need to know about much more than where the church building is. They need to know where the church is. We need to know where the body of Christ is, and we must move as He moves us. We must go as He tells us to go. We must obey the Lord. And what we must find, though, is that we will only go as far as we have gone deep in a walk and holy walk before God in our hearts and our homes. In one sense, the Christian must live without regard to the opinion of the world. For his standards are those of his master, not those of the community in which he lives. But in another sense, he must always have in mind the opinion of the world, for he must not bring discredit on the faith by being careless of appearances. The world is watching. But here's the sad reality is that they're watching without knowing the word, so they watch incorrectly. They watch with empty hearts looking to be filled, and they go, well, I don't know if that's quite it or not because it doesn't look very appetizing. There's a multitude of things you could go on and on. Does our life and how it's lived, I want you to know, it will discredit much more than your name. It will discredit much more than your name or your family. It will discredit much more than just this church's name or this building. It will discredit the name of Christ to many. We represent much more than a church, and we represent much more than your last name. We represent the king. We represent not just a king or a president. We represent the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of creation, the God who sent his son to die for us, to raise again, to offer us forgiveness of sins through him. We represent the greatest news ever. We represent the Savior Himself. May we not take it lightly. Sorensen writes, the word translated as honestly has a sense of honorably or decently. At stake was their testimony. Even the unsaved world has a dim view of laziness or freeloading. They also ought to live that ye may have lack of nothing. The thought literally is that they might not have to rely on others. In short, God has ordained for His people to work, provide for themselves, and their families. But I would say on top of what Sorensen writes, this lack of nothing is much more than a physical lacking where they become lazy and they're no longer working jobs. This is a spiritual lack. He says in chapter 3, take care of these things. He says in chapter 3, verse 10, night and day pray exceeding that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your And I believe here in verse 12 what he's getting at is that that you walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. Why? Because the Lord wants a pure church and He wants a church that is headed towards maturing. 
holy before Him. Today as we wrap up this section, next week we'll get into the rest of the chapter, which is known more than the first part of the chapter, to be honest with you. We hear chapter 4, verse 13 through 18 all the time. Funerals, that's what I preach at a graveside. We hear about the rapture and the resurrection, all these things. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of that, but I want you to know, until that day comes of verses 13 through 18, we're to live out verses 1 through 12. How does your life look today? What part of our life has not been given wholly unto the Lord? Sanctified, set apart from the world, and set apart unto God. May we learn to mind our business and take care of our heart and our home first. Then and only then will we find revival. And it may begin as an individual. It may begin as a family. But I believe that God desires to revive homes. In reviving hearts and homes, He revives His house. That's what we want. Let us pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You. We come to You this day. God, help us now to have our hearts prepared before You. Lord, if there's any unclean thing in us, God, I pray that You would reveal it to us. Lord, that we get it right even before the worship service. Lord, I pray, O oh God, that You would give us uh, just a, a time with You today, Lord, that we would know Your presence, that Your power through Your Word and Your Spirit would go forth, would accomplish great things. Lord, that You would change our hearts, God. But I pray, Lord, that You would allow us to be faithful and obedient to You, Lord, that we would, we would simply do what You've called us to do. But Lord, that we would do it not by our strength or by our knowledge or by our might, but God, we would do it by faith as all those who have gone before us have. That we would live by faith, walk by faith, that You would empower us with Your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would kill sin in our life and God, that we would live for You and for Your glory alone. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all.